0: Welcome to Bits About Books, the home for conversations with authors of breakthrough books on sales, marketing, and business. Founders, entrepreneurs, and individual professionals, we all need to keep track of ideas that are helping create our today and tomorrow. Bits About Books will strive to find those books and speak to their authors, go behind the scenes and understand what inspired the authors to write the books that they did and how they went about doing so. Through our conversations, we hope to gain insights that will help us to get the most out of our efforts. I'm your host Shubanjan Sarkar, founder of Pitchlink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where our mission is to make buying easy. Welcome to Bits About Books. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Our guest today is Stu Hynek and we speak with him about his latest bestseller, How to Grow Your Business Like a Weed, A Complete Strategy for Unstoppable Growth.
1: If you just go out, let's say in your in your yard, and and you decide, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of weeds over there, um, but that's okay. I'm going to mow the lawn, and they'll, they'll be gone. So you mow the lawn, and um, and they're mowed down as well. Well, they just come right back. If you pull them, if they're if root materials on the ground, they'll come right back. So they're really quite uh, resilient. And, and they're obviously aggressive and persistent and all these wonderful terms that we would love to apply and sh- and should apply to um, ourselves in business and to businesses themselves. Um, we just they just it's their nature uh, to do that. And so it's it's useful to look at their nature, because that really needs to become our nature as business people.
0: Dubbed by the American Marketing Association, the father of contact marketing, Stu Hynek is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist, Hall of Fame nominated marketer and the best-selling author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone and Get the Meeting. Stu is also the founder of Cartoonists.org, a group of Wall Street Journal and New Yorker cartoonists who donate their art to help charities raise funds. Now, onto this brain-popping episode. Stu, Stu, welcome back to Bits About Books. I'm delighted to have you back and I'm so thankful that I know you and you so readily support what we do. I mean, I'm really, really thankful for that.
1: Oh, well, you're very welcome. I love what you're doing. It's, I think it's very interesting. The Lit Fest was a lot of fun. Um, and, and I love how you dig into, into, but you do it in an interesting way when, when you dig into uh, various books that authors have written. So thank you for having me on the show.
0: Absolutely. This is a complete delight. And this book is, I mean, it's so unpredictable as an idea. I mean, it, it, it's, it's intriguing to say the least.
1: It's not like the usual growth book, is it? <laughs> no, it's not like the usual exactly. Growth, exactly. But, yeah.
0: I mean, absolutely. And I would not have expected anything usual from you, to be honest. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, I, I hope that's a good thing.
0: No, I mean it. I mean it in a good way. Good. I mean it in a good way because because you you think out of the box, and and that's that's really what. When I think about you, I think about somebody who actually always things out of the box and, and, and that's, I mean, I mean, think about the, the, the awards that you did with NASDAQ. I mean, come on, it's out of the box. I mean, it's way out there.
1: (laughs) But it's, it is fun to call people total weeds. Let's say you're, it is fun to say, you know, you're such a total weed and then they're they're going, Oh my God, thank you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell me, I mean, how, how did this come about? I mean, it is not a usual book. I mean, when I look at your previous book, get a meeting with anybody, is how to get a meeting with anyone, is not how to grow your business like a weed. I mean, it's like way away from that. If I wanted to think of it, you know,
1: right? That w- that would be an odd thing to think. That's the next book after after getting meetings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, I, yeah, I'm I'm. I, you know, I think like a, I'm a cartoonist as well. And I think like a cartoonist, I think. And so yes. I'm always looking for where's the cartoonists draw insights. They draw funny pictures, of course, but they're really drawing insights. And when when we laugh at cartoons, we're always, actually when we're laughing at anything. We're usually saying, "Oh my god that's so true because that's what that 's the nature of humor it it's always about pulling out mm-hmm. these these nuggets of truth and and showing you showing the the, the viewer these nuggets in a in a surprising way and I guess that's why it 's funny it's the, there's a surprise in there it's told in a twist, but there's always truth behind it so um so here the book this this book this latest book is uh that is how to grow your business like a weed." I came about in a, I kind of, kind of an interesting way. I was, uh, w- first of all, we all know what it means to grow like a weed. I mean, that's just a universal um, thought around the world ev- in every culture. We know what it means to grow like weeds because we could see them growing and we're going, how do we get rid of these things? How do we control these? They're terrible to control in our yards, but they're really, I, I would say, but, yeah, but the flip side of that is there's something really admirable about what they are and how they survive and how they act, how they grow how they grow against the odds, the odds that we put against them. And so I was driving down the freeway a long time ago in Los Angeles. I was driving on Santa Monica freeway and there are six lanes of traffic coming one way and six the other way and about a 40 foot wide concrete median. So there's a lot of concrete and it's no place for a plant to grow. And generally they don't grow there, but but growing out of a crack in the concrete median was a dandelion that I spotted. And And I, as I'm just driving by really fast. So these all, all these thoughts came really quickly, all at once. And I was thinking, look at that. Look at, I mean, it looked like it was happy. It was just those happy yellow flowers and, and, and the seed pods that we loved, the kids loved to go and (laughs) scatter seeds from. Um, it just looked happy. It looked like it was happy running its process from that crack in the concrete. Then I thought, how, what an extraordinary thing. It made a living. It just, the, the seed landed there in the crack. In the sea of concrete, and it made, I guess we could say in a a way it made a living, it made its way, It's made its living there. And how did, how did it pull that off? and um and then I was wondering, this is all of this again in just a just a very quick split second moment of time that then I was wondering, well, how, what makes them so special why do they why do weeds do that, but no other we don 't see oak trees growing out of cracks and concrete medians in the freeway or petunias or ro- rose bushes or any any other let 's say more polite plants it 's just these aggressive little weeds that do, that pull it off, so what is it about them that makes them so special? That they can do these things that other plants can't, and I wondered, do they have a model? Is, do they all adhere to a, a unified model? Is there something about what they do that all weeds do? And <clears throat> and 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 I, I realized, yes, they do have a model, and it's it's not only is it applicable to our business, I think it to our businesses. I think it's actually the theory of everything about growing anything. So that's that's where it came from, and that's the original thought. That's where it came from.
0: I, I can see the I can see the idea germinating in your mind, and then you s- decided that this could make a great book, or this is a book I want to write. What did you do after that?
1: How did the freeway incident turn into a book? <laughs> yes, yeah, um, yeah exactly. That came pathway. <laughs> exactly. pathway. Um, and and before it became a book idea, we just again that split second I was just thinking, God, I, I you know. I really want to live up to that example in my own business, so that then I sped away <laughs> that, that was the end of the the encounter, but I really wanted to live up to it and so right. I've been very curious about well, how do you do that how do you grow like a weed? how do you make whatever it is you're doing grow like a weed and um, and then and then there there it had been a book idea for quite a long time I just ruminated i I just thought that's one book I would really love to write is how to capture the, the essence of weeds that makes them grow. It's that, that incredible, um, essence and, and, and put it into, yeah. put it to work in our businesses. So how do we do that? And what, what kind of a book would it be? And so for a long time, I just sat there, just sat in that space, like, mm. you know, 20 or 30 years sat in that space in my head. Um, and, and then. Then, how to get a meeting with anyone came out did well, and I thought what well, you know the next book I'd really love to write that that book about the weeds and 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 the making of the book was really a blast it was uh it, it was very interesting of course there's no blueprint for this. nobody has written about weeds as a growth Correct. agent, so you don't you don't there's nothing yeah. nothing there's nothing you can read in literature about i mean you can't even find quotes actually about weeds being great. Um, metaphors for growth, I mean, we, other than we know what it means to grow like a weed, there's a, there's a, um, there, there's a quote that, that that is told in churches, I guess, a lot, um, church service uh, about blooming where you are or blooming where you find, I forget exactly mm-hmm. what the quote is, but it's, basically it's bloom yeah. where you are. And that's a great quote because that's exactly what yeah. weeds do. They make the best of wherever they are, whatever their circumstances are, they're ready to take it on and adapt to it and make it work. So that's, that's a wonderful, but there really, there was nothing right. in the literature. So, um, okay, well, I kind of like those circumstances, you you get to discover the whole thing. And, and so I did, but I thought, well, who do I, who do I talk to? How do I get more information? How do I research this? And so I started my, my first two Interviews were. Interviews are a great way to research anything. I think so. My first two interviews were. Well, the first one was with the master gardener. I just needed to to know what are weeds like. What makes a plant a weed? Is there is it a species, right. a species of plants, or or is it all across species? And um, so I needed to know what is a weed. What what actually makes a weed a weed? And and then the second one was with T Boone Pickens. I don't know if you remember him or not, but. Um, in the eighties and nineties, he was this. He was all over the news. He was everywhere. Uh, he was on the cover of Time Inc. and I mean, sorry, Time Magazine and um, mm-hmm. newspapers. And because this is what he was, he was this really interesting character. Um, he would he was in the he was in the oil business, and he realized that, you know, I could I, I, I could keep drilling for, for oil and finding or exploring for oil and coming up with a lot of dry wells before I find any any producing wells. Or because oil companies are all they're, they're valued based on their reserves, so those are the the, the reserves in the ground. Those are the wells that they found that that they can pump, and and he realized you know I could keep doing that, or I could just make a um, I could just buy other oil companies, and that would increase my. I mean, I'd just be then buying known known producing wells that way, and and so you know he. He he uh, made a run at one one company and it was I think twenty eight times the size of his own, but he he got some investors together. He said, "Look, well, this is what we need to do," and they did it and they pulled it off. And they they you know and that company first they they approached them first and said, "We'd like to buy you. We'd like to acquire your company." And they're just saying no way, but they were a publicly traded. Stocks. So they just bought the stock. They just went and so he became one of the original corporate raiders. That's really what he was. He was a pirate, and in a good, a good way. But he was he was kind of a, a pirate um, character in in the news anyway. Because here's this guy, this brash guy, who was going out. He's trying to buy Phillips. Petroleum and and Occidental Occidental Petroleum and so on. All these big oil companies. Who is this guy? And 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 I'm sure that mm-hmm. the, the the people in the boardrooms of these companies are thinking, "My God, this guy's just such a total weed," right? Because he just keeps coming, mm-hmm. and and so he was a really yeah. interesting. Uh, I mean, he became a he became a billionaire because of all this. So he was an interesting person to talk to about, well, what does it take to grow? And in fact, what does it take to grow like a weed? You did grow like a weed. So what does it take? And, and so that ended up being sort of the two, the two factions in my, in my interviews, some were scientific. I needed to know about weeds. They're actually, I discovered they're actually, there's actually a, a specialty um, of weed scientists. I didn't know this, but, yeah, they're they're weed scientists, and their their um, their mission is to help farm, agriculture defeat the weeds. But they have to understand the weeds, so they they do a lot of study of weeds. Right. And they know all about what these weeds, mm. how these weeds grow, and what they how they pull off what they pull off. And they were fascinating to talk to, because you listen to it and you think, well, mm. okay, this is going to be interesting if you apply this to business. Um, this really makes sense, and and uh, and so then the other faction was. Um a lot of really well some well, I would call them interesting, fascinating uh personalities within business who've done extraordinary things. But it wasn't just that. I was also talking to military leaders, because you know, maybe maybe some of that that strategy also shows up in 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 in, in war doctrine, perhaps. And uh and then also I interviewed the the former director of the CIA and um, to a couple of four-star generals, and I was just looking for where where do I need to look to find the insights I need to write this book and and make a co- a cogent argument about we should we should be looking to weeds not only to just say man it would be great to grow like a weed but to say how are they doing this and how do I how do I how do we systematize that to make it a model that I can use in my business.
0: So obviously, this first two interviews. Were, were critical and then you went out and, and you sort of had ideas to talk to more people like, like the generals and, and the ex-director of CIA, etc. So at some point, it started sort of taking shape in terms of how this book is going to be, right? Yeah. yeah. So when, when did you actually sort of uh, put the structure out? How long did it take you after you started doing those two interviews? how long after you actually had a structure out that okay these are the three major sections, and this is how i 'm going to break it down
1: well i didn't want to I, I, yeah i didn 't want to have preconceived conceived notions of what the structure of the book might be before talking to these people so i I had a lot of interviews first but as you, as as i 'm going through the interview process, it just starts to crystallize in your in your mind um, that okay, I see it. It's mm-hmm. there. There are there. There seem to be four elements to this, and um, and so one is mindset. Another one is is um, uh, is I guess you call it um cl- collaboration. I guess weeds never show up alone. So mm-hmm. th- they they derive a lot of their power because you, if you, if you see, for example, if you see a dandelion in your lawn, just one look up and you'll see dozens, if not hundreds of them. And then they pump out a lot of seeds. They're not going away. You'll never get rid of them. But if it was just yeah. one showing up alone, not much of a factor. You just pluck it out and you're done. You wouldn't even think about it. Um And so, so they, and, and that's what they do. They, they, um they leverage a fierce mindset and unfair advantages. That'd be another one, actually, that they're always applying unfair advantages um look at we'll talk about this more in our in our discussion but but whatever they do they always do with an unfair advantage and we should do that in business certainly we should okay. be doing this in business there are a lot of businesses that don't have them and and so uh and then, as I mentioned then they their collaborators and one of one of the great collaborator or collaborative forces in nature uh is how weeds work together they they're they're swarms they're not just individual plants, and there's a power in being a swarm or creating a swarm around what it whatever it is that you're trying to grow um, and then finally, they run it according to a process, so this process is honed it's it's this repository of this is the stuff that has worked the best over not millennia but millions actually tens of millions of years. So their process is incredible. I really would say, and and it's really, it's it's baked, literally it's baked into their DNA. And really what it is, is it's their evolution. So you can see instances of weeds evolving around certain challenges. And when they've done that, then it's, that becomes, that's, it's evolution. That's, it becomes the new version of the plant. So uh, there's some really interesting stories about how weeds have evolved around, let's say, pesticides so that they they've just rendered them useless and that becomes the new i don't know the sort of the new um feature of the uh, of the plant is that it has evolved this immunity to roundup or glyphosate so it's really interesting how they do it but that's you those things just emerge because you, they they emerge as a result i should say of talking to all of these sources and then yeah. there were some interesting books i also read there was one um oh, i can't remember the name of it Really interesting books. The One of them was about the forest and how the trees actually communicate. They're, they're actually communicating. They have a different way of communicating, but they are—they're more than just. Yeah, you know, we can look at plants and say, yeah, they're alive. They don't move, though. They don't seem alive in, in a lot of ways, but they do communicate. And um, and then another one, uh, this big encyclopedic book called "The Worst Weeds in the World," or "The World's Worst Weeds." Sorry, um, and it was this encyclopedia, literally of. All the weeds that are found around the world, there are a lot of them, and how they proliferate, just what do they do, and what kinds of, um, well, I called it unfair advantages earlier, but what kinds of properties do they have? To, are they, are they thorny? Are they, uh, are they toxic? There are there all kinds of ways that weeds formulate these unfair advantages that right. allow them to to uh, to dominate their space? Uh,
0: so, how long did it take you to actually write it down? I mean, to put it together.
1: Ah well. I probably a couple of years. I'm trying to remember now. I mean it, the thing is it, it, it right I should say the book started when I drove down, drove down the Santa Monica freeway that that day a long time ago. But <laughs> but the writing I would say probably 2 years yeah. writing and editing.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Okay it it was not like Oh, in one go, we have done it over like a couple of weeks period. It's, it's, oh, God, it's, it's no, much more than that.
1: No, no. It, yeah, a lot more than that. It takes a lot yeah, of... Yeah. I think it just takes a lot yeah. of time to assimilate everything you've pulled in from, from all these research yeah. sources to understand what's the picture here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so let's let's dive into the book now. I think we are ready to dive into the book. You, you decided that this will be basically three, uh, rather four broad sections, right? So... Uh, well, the the nature of weeds, the weed mindset. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the nature of weeds is about what are they? Because remember that that's the question I started with. What is a weed? Why is a Why, what makes a weed a weed? And it turns out, by the way, weed is just sort of a pejorative term we all use, um, to describe plants that are, I guess, that don't cue to our expectations or what we, know, they don't cue to our physical pens where we, in our, our gardens, for example, they don't, Stay there. Some, some, some weed species have been imported as, cause there are beautiful weeds, mm-hmm. but a lot of really, they're plants. So some of them are quite attractive and they, they had been imported. The Jap- Japanese knotweed is one of them. It had been imported from, I guess, Japan, obviously. And, um, and then they soon discovered that, that this plant has these, these roots and runners from hell, and you'll never get rid of it. Not only that, it'll just spread and spread and spread. It actually spreads underneath roads and underneath. I mean, so it'll these roots will run underneath a road or underneath even buildings to proliferate even further. And here's the really pernicious thing about the Japanese knotweed. If you decide, okay, I'm going to get rid of this. Uh, well, there are all these little bits in the ground. If you pull them out, there are little bits of root in the ground. But if you just took the plant material and ground it up and, and said, okay, I'm done. You're not done because every little shred of that plant that comes in contact with the ground then becomes a new instance of the plant. They don't need seeds to, to do this. <laughs> it's just, you know, it is a, it's a weed from hell, but, um, uh, anyway, so that was the first part. Just what makes a weed a weed, and um, and why do we call them weeds, or just what what are they doing? Why why do they, um, did, what do they have a mindset? What's going on? How is it that there is a, an apparent mindset, isn't there? Because if you look at, if you just go out, let's say in your in your yard, and and you decide, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of weeds over there, um, but that's okay. I'm going to mow the lawn, and the, they'll be gone. So you mow the lawn, and um, and they're mowed down as well. Well, they just come right back. If you pull them, if they're if root material is in the ground, they'll come right back. So they're really quite uh, resilient, and and they're obviously aggressive and persistent, and all these wonderful terms that we would love to apply and sh- and should apply to um, ourselves in business and to businesses themselves. Um, we' just they just it's their nature uh to do that, and so it's it's useful to look at their nature because that really needs to become our nature as business people
0: absolutely as yes, absolutely i mean there are two so the two key words you used persistence and uh and resilience i think i think both are extremely important for anybody who is trying to build a business right
1: yeah well, and there are more i mean it's aggressive and and persistent i I mentioned persistent but it's aggressive and urgent and um uh, adaptive is another one I, probably the biggest one is their is collaborative that's all part of their yeah. part of their mindset yeah. the thing i was going to say though is that because because you when you mow them and or pull them up and they keep coming right back there is even though they don't have brains there's an apparent mindset isn't there because because they don't give up mm-hmm. They just don't give up. They just keep running their process, and I don't. I doubt they get depressed. I don't know. I don't think they have emotions, but um, I doubt they get depressed. If they did, they just mow right past. They just go right past it. They just keep yeah. coming. And God, isn't that how we? Sh- Again, that that's how we should be in business.
0: I, I I couldn't agree more. It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the brick.
1: You think about let's say the one of the largest plant species, maybe it is the largest plant species, is the sequoia tree. Um, and you look at the range of a sequoia tree versus the range of a dandelion of the dandelion. There's no comparison. The, the sequoias survive in this little tiny pocket near Fresno. <laughs> That's it. And they've not spread anywhere. And and uh, and of course, dandelions are on, on six continents. They're not, a, no, no weeds survive on Antarctica, but they're on six continents, they're everywhere. So how do they do it? Well, a lot of it had to do with just these, uh, that unfair advantage of how they spread their, their seeds and probe every possible opportunity to take root. That's incredible.
0: You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in, that is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n. Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for Bits About Books and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Let's dive right back into the episode where we left it. So, so when you talk about the mindset and you expand on the mindset ideas, so is it is it is it this set of uh, attributes, or are you talking of completely different ideas? I mean, from the chapters, I can see that you are talking of ruthlessness, for example.
1: Well, it's, I think it was ruthless aggression, something like that.
0: Ruthless persistence. Persistence. There we go. Ruthless yeah. persistence.
1: Yeah. 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 So persistence and aggression, urgency um adaptability resilience those are all attributes of uh, mindset of, of the mindset of a weed and and so yeah that was so that was a first section truly but what that's we need the mindset of a weed to 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 uh to thrive like a weed otherwise we don't it doesn't happen I mean it's all of these things start in our heads we we either win or lose based on what's going on in our heads first so we've got to sort that out you've got to have this tough weed-like mindset um, and then there there are following sections. So the next one, uh, the next section in the book was about unfair advantages. Those are really interesting. Um, you know, I, I mentioned dandelions, and and so and think about what dandelions do. They have those seeds that fly all over the place, right? So, and they've got the seed pods, the, yeah. the geode- yeah. geodesic spheres of of, uh, of seeds that's that's their launch pad, and they fly around, and they they'll, they can fly for miles. And they probe every possible opportunity to take root. That's how that dandelion ended up in the, in the crack in the concrete. They, they probe everything everywhere. Well, that's so unlike what, let's say a pine tree does or, 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 or an oak tree that drops, that drops some acorns. Uh, They don't. Well I guess animals will they, they probably count on animals to move them around, but a bit, but they don't move very far. yeah if you think about let's say the one of the largest plant species, maybe it is the largest plant species is the sequoia tree. Um, and you look at the range of a sequoia tree versus the range of a dandelion of the dandelion there's no comparison the, the sequoias survive in this little tiny pocket near Fresno. <laughs> That's it. And they've not spread anywhere. And, and, uh, and of course dandelions are on, on six continents. They're not, a, no, no weeds survive on Antarctica, but they're on six continents. They're everywhere. So how do they do it? Well, a lot of it had to do with just these uh, that unfair advantage of how they spread their, their seeds and probe every possible opportunity to take root. That's incredible um but there are a lot of other unfair advantages that weeds carry into the field and w- another one would be thorns i mean when mm. when um and that's just obviously sort of area denial uh, you don't or area or access denial when an animal or 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 a human comes in contact with with let's say a blackberry bush and they get pricked by those those thorns they're only going to do that once or twice before they realize I, no, that doesn't work. I can't. Oh, that hurts. You know, uh, I am going to stay out of there, and the, and that's exactly what the weeds want. They've they've taken over that turf, and they're defending it. Um, and and there are there are several several actually. I, lo- I listed eight levels of. Strategy that, 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 um, that inform unfair advantages. And I guess the other thing, this, maybe the last thing I'd like to say about unfair advantages is that we could see examples of businesses that are trying to make it, but without unfair advantages. And I, I don't know if anything comes to, to your mind, but I, I, I live on an island in the Pacific Northwest and in, and, and in the little central village of our town, there are, it's kind of a touristy town. It's on, it's built on a cliff over the water. Um, it's a really pretty spot. And so there are there are these shops that sell touristy knickknacks, I guess. They're just, you know, little... Souvenirs, I suppose, or something like that, or the, or the, or the, here's even worse ones. Mm. They, they might be selling soaps and incense oil, incense and oils or something like that. Nobody needs this stuff. It's a very, very limited market. If any disruption happens to that market, you're dead as a business. The business is dead because there's no unfair advantage to that at all. Mm. And, and then we could see other examples of, of companies that have all kinds of great, great unfair advantages. And, and I'm just, I'm just, Racking my head right now to think. Okay, let's say SpaceX, really interesting example. They developed that Falcon booster system, and as they were doing it, everyone thought they were crazy. I mean, you know, we just thought, well, you know, nice idea to 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 have a rocket booster go up and then come back down and land propulsively, like like in in science fiction movies. But but it's never been done before, and it doesn't seem like SpaceX. Well, I. Elon, he seems to be able to pull off anything, but but you know, doesn't look very probable. And and sure enough, the the first prototypes would go up and they'd explode or they'd explode on the pad, they'd they'd come down and explode. And um they were also trying to land on on drones. I mean sorry, well, drone ships obviously as well, because they do that now. And then when they first stuck a landing, we're saying, Well, that was just astonishing. Wow. They actually pulled that off. And I think from that point on, pretty much they stuck every landing. And and now it's just routine that they, they mm-hmm. these boosters go up and they come back down and they land propulsively. And what that means is that each of those boosters gets to be used. I don't know what their record is now. But the last I looked, it was something like 11 times as opposed to to other any other space agency. Um or organization that would launch a rocket for single use—it's a very, very expensive way to to put payloads into space—and and, uh, and and so SpaceX was able to undercut that price by a tremendous amount because they were reusing their spaceships. It's amazing. So that's an unfair advantage that still still exists. I don't know if anybody's actually—I'm trying to think—I don't think anybody's even matched it. China is trying to. I don't know that they've succeeded. Um, Yeah, I don't think anyone has matched it yet. So that's, that's a great example of an unfair advantage. It's, you know, by unfair, I mean, it's not really unfair that, that Elon figured, worked that out. He just explored and explored and found a, found a way to make it work. That's not unfair. It's great. Great for the marketplace. It means it's weak. It means that cargo can get up to space at a, at a cheaper uh, rate. But, but the competitors, i i'm just i i'm thinking it's i i'm describing the reaction that your that your competitors will have to your advantage that you build and they'll be they'll be saying i how are we supposed to how are we supposed to compete with this i mean how how does that work how are we going to do this and and so that that's what i mean about unfair advantage it's not unfair it's just it's just the way that competitors will view it
0: do do you see application of this for i mean so one one at one way you can have unfair advantage is through innovation right so you yeah. invent something yeah. which is not there yeah. so, so that's i mean so in your example with with spacex it's pretty much that you invented a way by which the capsule can come back and you can reuse it or the booster can come back and you can reuse yeah. it do you yeah. see any other examples up front in your mind where smaller companies have been able to achieve that
1: yeah, I think I think location uh, plays a big role. If it if it's a brick and mortar store, for example, or, bis- or business location, we can see that we've seen it all, our, our whole lives how locations can can change the, the fortunes of these businesses. And and you know you can see see that in extreme um, with a company like Starbucks. And Starbucks, they they uh, you know they're just everywhere and their their um part of their philosophy has been to make sure that th- that there's always a starbucks nearby and it's always a right hand turn from the road uh so that is driving un- in in u s custom where we drive on the um yeah. yeah on that side of the road but it's always just this easy turn off the road as opposed to having to be- take a left hand turn through all the traffic and so even that's an unfair advantage so you know other other um, uh, other coffee stands can't. I mean, they, they just don't have the marketing push or the the, the, the size. Uh, it's really actually you could see though that they're also acting like weeds because there's a lot of them <laughs> too. And they're everywhere. It's very easy to to, to patronize Starbucks because they're everywhere.
0: Right. So so you basically have broken this up the weeds model into seed, seed pod, thorns, segmentation, rosette. Vine and root strategies, right? Right. And and soil. This, this right. Is the, right. These are the eight eight so unfair so advantages those, that you talk of.
1: Yeah, and so those are the those are the eight levels of of strategy that produce unfair advantages. And so when you read through that section of the book, you'll right. find that seed strategy is about seeds are analogous to anything that causes people to become aware of us and form the intent to transact with us in some way just like seeds do out there in, in nature they, they spread around and then and they they open up new new possibilities for the plant to spread its its um it's uh it's range and so these are things like i, I uh, um People talking about us, advertising, marketing, all those are seeds. Anything that puts those something out that some impetus out right. there for people to uh, stimulus, I should say, for people to respond to. So social media is also, uh, seeds. All those, all of those impressions are seeds and we want to maximize those. We want to make sure that the right, the right impressions, I suppose, but we want to maximize those. And, and then it goes all the way down sort of the body of a weed. So it's the seeds and then the seed pod. Uh, seed pods are, are, man, are, are, sorry, are multiple. Multipliers of the the effects of those seeds. So, what can we do? To I, I think maybe one of the one of the great multipliers is maybe what we're doing right now. You have an audience that I don't have, so your audience is different from mine, and so we're we're sort of we're cross pollinating in a way. Our our audience is this way. They. Uh, I'll be introduced to your audience. Your audience, you will be introduced to mine because they'll they'll want to know what we talked about, and and so those kinds of things are seed pods to to multiply the effect of of um of the seeds, and that goes all the way down the body of the plants. The roots are where where the the life force of the plant is generally um, uh, uh, resides. And so, for example, if you pull a, land, a, d- a dandelion up, but you don't get the the root, the dandelion plant will um, the plant. The, the part that's above the ground will come back, so it's the life force of your of of the business what is it that it's just the assets and the the i p and so forth of the business and 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 um maximizing the um the value of that of that i p and those those assets and even soil you mentioned soil and soil is an interesting interesting one because we find ourselves in in various environments or substrates. Just the way weeds do, and they they seem to have this huge tolerance for all kinds of conditions i've I've had dandelions I've found dandelions growing up in the gutter in my roof. There's no soil there. I don't even know how it happened, but anyway they're they're up they they'll take root there even they just sort of that they're very very adaptive and they'll just whatever whatever. Soil uh, conditions; they find they'll just find a way to thrive in it. But for us, for for businesses, we can find ways to change those soil conditions by creating movements or tying to movements and so forth. And we can there we do get to change. We do have a chance to change the substrate in which we grow our businesses, and so it, it, it discusses that as well. So there's, there's a whole range of of strategies and and frameworks for producing unfair advantages for your business.
0: Uh, uh, before we move on to the to the last segment, which is scaling like a weed, uh, touch upon what what do you what, what do you talk about when you're talking about thorns uh, as well as uh, uh, rosette.
1: Sure. Well, thorns um, thorns as I just described earlier are those sh- sharp little pins, those pricks that stick out from plants that, right. um, and when you get, if you get near the plant, you get scraped by them pretty easily. You, you learn, well, okay, I'm not going there. Well, well, we should do that in business as well. And the, the thorns that we can produce are, are the things that protect our IP, I would say mostly, but uh, so pat- <clears throat> pretty patents and <clears throat> pretty, let me start that again. Patents and um, agreements, uh, uh, non-disclosure agreements, etc. Put some teeth into, or really some thorns into what it is what it is we're doing out there in business, so that people don't ride all over us. Um, if you if you don't if you don't protect your your intellectual property, people will steal it. It's very easy to steal. Otherwise, we're seeing that even more in the in the age of AI. Because if you're if you're content uh, is just public if it 's been published anywhere publicly um, uh, chat GPT all these different la- large language models can reach right into that and use it so you have to protect that IP or everything you 've done all of the the advantage that you 've built for through your your hard work will erode and that's the that's the function of of thorn strategies and you mentioned also rosettes rosettes are those well again i 'm going to go back to dandelion rosettes are, are those that that radial fan of leaves that a, that a dandelion puts out, they, they don't grow, the, the leaves don't grow up this way. They flatten down on the ground and ro- they just, they grow in this sort of radial fan. And eventually that that those radial fans become quite thick. And if you pull that, that dandelion up after it's gotten thick you, and it's in your lawn, you'll notice then that you might have a 10-inch 10, 10 hole in your lawn because nothing can grow underneath them. They've, they have... Um, they have They have just dominated that space so much so that that the plants there and immediate immediately below that fan are not receiving sunlight or water. They can't grow in those conditions. And so we look for ways to to dominate our our specialty or our our category if it's if it's not local or locally just to to dominate our local market. How can we do that so that nobody even considers um, doing business with your competitors?
0: Right, right. So moving on to the last section, scaling. I mean, scale, growing like a weed is typic, is, is essentially about scaling. Yeah. I mean, how can you have this abundant kind of growth, abundant kind of presence? Uh, so in terms of mindshare, as well as in terms of business, in terms of access to market and so on. Uh, what kind of lessons are we talking of here? Uh, you're talking of uh, uh, one is to one leverage, multi-channel and collective scale right?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think if the weeds could speak to us, and they don't, or they're speaking through me, perhaps, (laughs) I don't know. But if weeds could speak to us, I think one of the things they would say is, look, if you want to grow your business, you should be teaming up with the smartest people you know as fast as you can and create new collaborations. And so, and it's true, it is, it's a great way to Think about the nature of that in business. If, um, if you're starting to, to collaborate with, with people who have, let's say other, but have different audiences or, or a different group of clients, et cetera. Well, you become introduced to their client. They become introduced to yours as well. But if you, if you're doing something complimentary, you're not, not necessarily, you shouldn't be just, I like think you shouldn't be direct competitors. That won't work. But if you do something that's complementary, then Everybody wins. They, they learn a new, they, you, the, all, everyone who's in those two, those two bases of clients gets to meet a new, um, and maybe use a, a new source for some, some new, uh, maybe some new competitive advantage in their businesses, some services that'll help them. Um, and, and they're coming, these, these sort of, these introductions are coming from a known source, a trusted source. And so it makes sense. And it also makes sense to, to to team up with people who have, let's say, uh, complementary um uh, reputations, I suppose, just what they're what they're known for. And and so um I'm gonna be teaming up with, with Dale Dupree, for example. Dale also uh works with with uh, clients and helps their teams get other uh, sales teams get meetings. That's what I do too, but we do it in a very different way. And so the two of us together um teaming up for a um for a mastermind it makes a lot of sense so we'll be doing a, a limited mastermind I'll be doing a lot of lot more limited masterminds in that same fashion but here's the thing let me let me step back there's a there's a framework here so you mentioned you mentioned three levels of scale so one is one to one leverage the other is collect uh, is, is um <clears throat> pardon me is is um multi channel leverage and then finally uh, uh collective scale and so they're they're very different yeah, and so they're very different approaches to scale. So the first one, um, as human beings, we are taught to become self-sufficient. I mean, that's that's a big, big feature of our upbringing and uh, and, and education is to is to become independent, to become uh, competent, uh, very competent at something, uh, to compete so that we get. Good grades. And then from good grades, we get into good schools and we get then a great, great, um, great career, great job opportunities because of that. Um, <clears throat> the problem with that, it's very effective, but the problem with that is it doesn't scale at all. You can't put all that effort in and then uh, you can't scale jobs. You can't have a thousand jobs. You can't multiply the effect of a, of a job a thousand times. You just have one job. And so, um, so that's interesting. It's useful as a base. Point, but it's not. It's not. It, you'll never scale that way, and so I just mentioned um, then creating collaborations with others, and that is. I think that's the quickest way to scale, is to if you're bootstrapping, bootstrapping is to that is, in other words, just doing this under your own power. Then yeah, of course, team up. I, I, I'm teaming up with a lot of the authors I know and all, all sorts of other people to do these interesting little. Ventures together. It could be just very temporary things, like like a, a month long mastermind, something like that, uh, or a weekend strategy summit, something lo- along those lines. Um, but those help you build your business and grow your uh, grow your your footprint in terms of the people that you know that can become clients who are already buyers of other ser- or complementary services. And then finally, it's 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 collective scale. It's just this enormous collective of, I'm thinking about weeds, just this enormous collective of weeds on a, on a plot of land, on a farm or on, in our yards, wherever they are. They don't, I mentioned before, they don't do anything alone. It's always at scale. And so, so there for us, I I think those are where, where we find the hyper growth startup sorts of companies that are, are backed by, um, by hefty investment and thus able to just they're not hampered by a la- <clears throat> they're not hampered by a lack of money. They just and probably connections and other other resources. They just absolutely focus on growth, and and it's a, it's a collective effort to make that company grow at, a, at an enormous rate. And of course, we see those that lots of examples of those kinds of companies, um, and some of them break through and become just enormous. Um, well, I just call them enormous patches of weed. <laughs> I mean, look at Uber, something like Uber, <laughs> spread around the world very quickly. Um, and Airbnb is another one uh, all around the world. I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but but it's spread all around the world quickly, almost like these are movements. I mentioned movements before and soil strategy, but they're almost like they're movements. And suddenly people change the way they live and the way they, they use their properties or the way that they travel. I'm thinking about Airbnb, but actually both of those and Uber. So, um, yeah, so those would be examples of collective scale.
2: So,
0: Stu, before I let you go, uh, my my question to you is, the examples that we shared today mostly are breakthrough businesses. Uber is a breakthrough business. Airbnb is a breakthrough business. So is SpaceX. Yeah. SpaceX. Starbucks. I'm not sure whether we can call it a breakthrough business, but still, in its model and how they did it and how they brought that uh, whole concept of expensive coffee. I mean, they literally replaced a fifty cent coffee with a four dollar coffee, yeah, right? Yeah. By giving you the environment and the mm-hmm. and the space and the and and the social sort of atmosphere, whatever you call it. Uh, how does how do you see small businesses and small startups actually? Benefiting from thinking of business like this.
1: Well, I think ev- every business at every level benefits from that sort of thinking and needs to think this way, or they're not going to survive. If you don't have unfair advantages, even in your local market, then you're not going to survive. I'll go back to the little village I, that I live in uh, again. Um, there were there were a lot of comp- or a lot of businesses that failed. And then there were some that thrived. So one of them was the, was the the pizzeria in town that fortunately um, thought ahead and collected email addresses of their customers. So and they, they quickly changed from a dine-in model to a takeout model. People still had to eat. This is during the pandemic I'm, I'm talking about. Mm. So uh, so people still had had to eat, and they, they turned around, they started just communicating with their with their base. Um, via email and the other restaurants in town that didn 't do that they didn 't they they sat there without an unfair advantage um i have an unf- i have lots of unfair advantages in my little business i um i'm 'm um, i don't do it a lot so so much anymore but um I am one of the Wall Street journal cartoonists, and every time my cartoons show up in the paper it's reaching two point one million people I and mean, it's a good way to br- to build a brand around something like a cartoon my my signature's in the cartoon so um but that's yeah, useful yeah. to me because I use cartoons to help um to help my my uh sales team clients break through to their top accounts to their to their top prospects. We use cartoons they're personalized. And and to be able to say, um, um, hi, I'm I'm sending a cartoon to your boss. To, let's say an assistant. Hi, uh, my name is such and such, and I'm I'm calling because I'm sending a print of a cartoon by one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, and it's about your boss. Well, we're talking about my work that these teams are using, and that's that's an unfair yeah. advantage. And I'm not a giant company, so but but a lot of unfair advantage. These books that I write, and the the, the fact that I get to come out and talk about things that no one else even knows how to talk about like weed strategy for business or unfair advantages. Those are weak. And okay. So now I'm talking about being an author. So do you, I think you get the point. You can create collaborations all over your marketplace. You can, you can create all kinds of things like that. That'll, that'll help you grow your business. It's not just SpaceX. And I would say Starbucks is or was a breakthrough company. So it's not just SpaceX and Starbucks and so on. Just these, these huge examples sure. but these are examples of companies that have grown really literally like a weed they're great examples of growing like a weed.
0: yeah I, th- I think what what you' what I am sort of taking away from this conversation is that you you need to you need to have a shift in your mindset and, and and look through a very different kind of lens and there are multiple points where you need to be working your strategy out I mean it's not only one one dimensional, but it's a multidimensional sort of approach uh, which eventually completes the picture. Uh, it is not just, just one, we are going to send out more males kind of thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it literally is <clears throat> that the model that I mentioned, it's, it's not, it's not one dimension. It's four in, in the model. So it's adopting the weed mindset, read it and, and do things don't they, there's some really practical yeah. advice in given in the book about how you do that, about how you let your, your actions lead your emotions. Cause our emotions really kind of shut us down. But if you mm-hmm. let your actions lead your emotions, I do that in the form of working out almost every day at the gym. <clears throat> so. Mm. And I come out feeling completely different and just really, really charged up. So even if I didn't feel like going, I go because the feeling, not feeling like going is a, is an emotional barrier to, to reaching my goals. And we let our emotions lead us around like that far too easily. So, so it's, it's taking on that fierce weed mindset and, and developing unfair advantages and levering those two things against collective scale or at least uh at least uh, uh, um multi multi-channel leverage you just you want to leverage those things yeah. in that in that manner and then and then it's also then reducing it to – i this is really important uh reducing it or or let's say uh, Reducing is not the right word, but, but let's say concentrating it into a process that can be repeated because then you can train, you can, you can delegate and you can train, you can sell your business. You can't sell a business that doesn't have a process. So without process, you're not even building a business. So it's those four elements that are, that are key to using weed strategy to grow like a weed. Bits about books is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer
2: seller engagement platform. Pitchlink makes buying easy by enabling high-quality engagement between buyers and sellers through its presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create customized sales narratives using sales collaterals and personal videos and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive, buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversations. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intuition. Call us on 99021-631-32.
0: Stu, this was great. Thank you so much. I hope you had a good time chatting about the book again.
1: Yeah, very nice.
0: I'm sure you've done it numerous times by now.
1: (laughs) Well, I love those reads and it's my favorite book. So, yeah, I'm very, very, uh, very excited to to get to talk with you about it. Uh,
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I know that and I'm glad that we could make time and and you are here today. Uh, I look forward to the next one. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you as well.
0: We have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations on breakthrough books. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today on Bits About Books, where we talk to authors about breakthrough books on sales, marketing and business. We hope this conversation helped inform and motivate as we all navigate a rapidly changing business environment. For us, these are enlightening conversations enriched with knowledge and expertise. We encourage you to go out and buy the book, to learn firsthand and implement some of the great ideas we discussed today. We hope to have you with us again in the next exciting episode of Bits About Books. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast from and give us a rating while you are at it.
2: This Biscast original podcast is produced for PitchLink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where the mission is to make buying easy. Hosted by Subhanjan Sarkar and produced by Rajiv Aditya. See you next time and have a wonderful day.